Bear New Springfield. Yeah! To be honest, it's a little chilly. Get out of the way, Marge. We were expecting a bigger crowd, Homer. Oh, don't worry. They'll be here soon, and then they'll see who's got the better town. Now, these are the tunes I want you boys to play. Wait a minute. Homer? A lot of these are Grand Funk Railroad songs. And we don't know Pac-Man Fever. Oh, come on, it plays itself. A Pac-Man Fever, a doodly-doo. It's driving me crazy. Look, Lisa, Daddy's in the who. Woo! Give us back our concert, Simpson. So, New Springfield's looking pretty good now, isn't it? With our ample parking and daily Who concerts. Daily? We'll talk. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode 2 of season 12. It's episode BABF20. It's a tale of two Springfields. I'm Dando. I am Guy. Dando, how are you traveling, mate? Doing all right? Yeah, I'm feeling good today because I'm not going to lie, Tale of Two Springfields was pretty damn great. This is one of the best ones in a long time. I think it's almost, I think I enjoyed this even more so than uh, Pygmalion from the last season. This was, this was solid. It was definitely solid, and it definitely reminded me of Pygmalion, and, and just, uh, yeah, it just had a lot of gags, it just kept them coming, a lot of good one-liners, a lot of good, and even if they weren't necessarily good one-liners, they were just sort of good character bits, they just felt honest to the characters, I mean, it was a lot of Homer that I liked, we, we've talked a lot about Arsehole Homer or Jackass Homer in, certainly in season 11, and there are bits in here that, um, I don't know, he's more sort of a lovable grump or sort of like not even that but just no eh, no or eh. I mean just stuff that I could relate to or understand I know I really shouldn't relate to or understand Homer all that much but uh, I mean I just love it at the very start when you know there's um the badger is in the in the doghouse he sees the kids looking and he comes out television broken <laughs> and then you know they're trying to tell him it's a badger like, badger my ass probably millhouse yeah. I, mean, I just <laughs> For some reason, that just cracked me up. Yeah. That's what it, see, this episode, I forgot, had a couple of really pivotal moments. When I say pivotal, I mean memorable moments. That's one of them. Badger by ass is probably Millhouse, as well as <laughs> as well as Lenny equals white, Carl equals black. Yeah. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> and then he's very sort of trepidatious about us. What do you think, Carl? Yeah. <laughs> it's really but, good, you know, really there's also stuff. just good... There's good Marge stuff in there as well. I mean... Um, I love I, I love Marge's face when she's explaining the new area code setup. She's just like, no, no, I really want to explain this to people. You know, I mean, some people might not know this, so I'm I'm very pleased to be passing on this information. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the whole area code thing that is something that happened in Geelong, wasn't it? When we had to add five twos at the beginning of our phone number, and people lost their minds. Oh yeah, I mean, God, I remember. I mean. I feel terrible that I'm sort of uh, bringing up all these anecdotes that basically show how ancient I am. First of all, growing up in a house where, you know, a la- well, you didn't have mobile phones at all. You had a landline and that was it. But, I mean, my first memory of having a phone number, it was a phone number with five digits. Five wow. digits. Five. Yeah. 98403. That was the Davis number. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. I don't, and, that's, that's 
when did that end? Because I, I had six. I guess I had six. That's so not that far off. <laughs> well, that's. I think. I think first it became nine eight four. Yeah, yeah, nine eight four zero three, and then I think they, I think they put a five two in front of it. I think that was in the early eighties. No, no, no. It wasn't the early eighties because it, my number was seven two one eight nine nine when I was a kid, and whilst I was growing up, so in the mid nineties, it became five two. Oh, okay then. Oh, well, I'm trying to. Mm, I guess I've got a blank spot in between. You know, when it was five, when it was just nine eight four zero three, and when it was five two nine eight four zero three. Yeah, yeah, but we can't get divulge too much into our into discussing this episode because for the first time ever, Mister Davis, we've got a very very special guest with us. It's only taken us twelve long seasons, but we've finally got a guest reviewer here on the show. Oh, I knew I knew it wouldn't be too long before you get bored of just me. You had to bring a new person <laughs> into the relationship. Oh, the honeymoon is over. In the Simpsons meme community, this man is known as the Simpsons voice guy. He's been doing the rounds all over the place <laughs> at the moment. He's one of the best Simpsons impersonators going around at the moment. He's been doing all different uh, different media. And he may even have some exciting news in regards to a job on The Simpsons. It is the one and only Mr. Jaden LeBron. How are you doing, Mr. Jaden? Mmm, Zoom. Hey, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Very excited to have you on the show. I've been trying to get this planned for a couple of weeks now. I mean, the first time you sent that video to our Facebook page would have been uh, probably a month ago now. And I watched it and went, this is actually, this legitimately has the, the chance to sort of go somewhere. And I put it up on the page and... <laughs> And various other pages put it up, and you've just taken off, man. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the interesting things about this year alone is that uh, I never would have thought that being in uh, the confines of my bedroom for so long would actually lead to some success amidst this pandemic. So it's uh, been a really moving experience. So we're here today to talk about A Tale of Two Springfields, Jaden. At the end of the episode, we're going to tag on, we're going to have a big, big chat with what you've been going, what's going on in your life at the moment. I mean, there's some pretty exciting news, which I'm not sure whether we can divulge into, but we'll get to that towards the end of the episode. But for now, we're here to talk about A Tale of Two Springfields. Jaden, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it's one of the better uh, mid-season episodes, I thought. Um, uh, what season was this? Was this... Uh... This is season, tw- season 12, episode season 2. Season 12, yeah. that's right. And um, yeah, it's one of the later Schwarzwilder episodes, uh, and um, it, it's just joke after joke, and just so funny. Um, and there are some moments that are just playing controversial, you know, with Homer and the uh, the bomb strapped to his chest. Uh, that's not something that I would have expected at all from the first five or so seasons, but um, it uh, it's right up there with one of those uh, uh, major town controversy episodes, like the monorail in the casino and uh just one of those episodes that involves all the characters going through a really wacky scenario that would never really exist in real life and it's it's a fun one i always i'm always a big fan of the episodes that manage to incorporate the entirety of springfield like you mentioned marge versus the monorail there but comet is another one and when they do yeah. so in a, a somewhat believable way but also in a way like you just said that would never really exist in the real world but i just thought right. this one was able to it really had that classic era vibe to it it did I'm always a sucker for a good town hall meeting. <laughs> <laughs> They're always think, good. Um, oh, and uh, I think maybe Sideshow Mel always throw in a comment or two. <laughs> we just uh, we just did Treehouse of Horror 11, and yes, Sideshow Mel does uh, does the big, surely it cannot speak to the dolphin. So yeah, you're right. That's Sideshow right, does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Night of the Dolphin. Yes, yes, a fantastic Treehouse of Horror segment. But so you, you obviously, you're 21. 21, is that right? 21, 22? I'm 21. I know I sound like I'm 50, but I'm 21. <laughs> wow. 
this uh this episode would have been sort of the kind of era that you grew up with uh, how long did it take for you yeah. to sort of go back and revisit what people call the classic era um well uh first off this episode aired november 5th 2000 and i'm i was born november 20th uh, 1998 so i wasn't even two when this episode aired mm. uh but my first exposure to the show in full was a dvd box set that my older brother got us uh, for christmas one year I think maybe 2008 or 2009, and it was season eight. And then from there, we got them in a really randomized order. Uh, I think the next one we got was seven and then six and then three and then one and then four and two. And um, we just sort of watched it in a jumbled uh, way. But it didn't take too long to understand the show and the nuances and all the characters and and really, really enjoy it. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't... uh, 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 one of many that watched the show at the time uh, in my age group. But, um, well, uh, uh, not a lot of people watched it, I should say, in my age group. Um, but I really liked it, and I still like it, and I still watch it, of course. Uh, but uh, most people at my uh, age growing up were, were into Family Guy, and now they're into Rick and Morty. But uh, I, I still cling to my favorite four-fingered yellow discount people. So you think so for the Simpsons for us or people my age? I mean, I'm 31. The Simpsons is, is life. It was it was sort of like our second parent. You know what I mean? Our third parent. So for you, so the Simpsons was it sort of seen as like somewhat uncool by the time you were hit your teenage years? Because I guess not many people were watching the show, like you said. Um, I wouldn't say it was uncool because it was still a major powerhouse uh, uh, in elementary school and uh, growing up. But um, you know, you you wouldn't go to school and talk about the latest Simpsons episode in 2009 or so. Um, I watched them and my sister watched them uh, when they'd air, but not a whole lot of people in my age group really watched it, unfortunately. Well, what, what were some of your favorite moments from A Tale of Two Springfields? I mean, you've mentioned that you didn't like, or not you didn't like, but you thought it was a bit controversial, Homer threatening to, or attempting to actually <laughs> yeah. blow himself up. Not that up. I didn't like it. It just <laughs> surprised the hell out of me. Uh, that one was funny. Um, uh, that little spat with, uh, with Principal Skinner, they say uh, we've got a better town bird uh and he's like uh oh yeah it's the blue jay and um uh, uh uh i think the who uh yeah the who show up they were they were they were used really well i thought the who mm. they were uh, oh and the bodyguard for the who that says <laughs> oh you want to meet the who huh hey, yeah. and he throws him in <laughs> to meet the who <laughs> Do you know there's actually a deleted scene? It's available on the um, on the season twelve DVD of Roger Daltrey from the Who, when he throws the mic and it hits Marge and he says, "Get out of the way, Marge." He actually improv that, and it's uncensored on the DVD. He actually originally said, "Shut the fuck up, Marge," but obviously they couldn't <laughs> use that in the show. But I just thought the Who, because we're at the, we're in the era now where the guest stars, a lot of them sort of appear just because they're a name. They don't really write them in for. Yeah. They don't really they don't really in add sync. anything to the episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. They don't really add anything to the episode, a lot of them. But this one here, I thought they had so many funny lines. I thought the Who were fantastic. They were, and they were used very well. Um, fortunately, their role in the show, um, it's also a little bit similar to the, the time uh, U2 appeared in Trash of the Titans, mm. where they play themselves and they have sort of a musical presence, but they also aren't a major component of the episode, so to speak. Mm. Um, unlike certain installments that we have where the guest star is pretty much running the show, like uh, Lisa Goes Gaga or the Musk Who Fell From Earth. Yeah, they're a bit of a Dewey S. Machina in this one. I mean, just sort of showing up at the end and um, yeah, Pete Townsend sort of uh, liberating uh, you know, or uniting the two halves of Springfield by bringing the, uh, bringing the wall down with a massive power cord. Incredible stuff. 
Do you know it wasn't actually Pete doing the voice? It was his brother. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. And um, and obviously they animated the drummer to not be the current drummer of The Who. It's actually Keith Moon, just paying tribute to the original drummer, Keith Moon. But yeah, Pete wasn't aware that he would have to record his own lines, so his brother did it for him. <laughs> just sums up The Who. But um, yeah, overall, though, I just thought this was, this was just so great. Uh, although it became a, a story about social status, you know, the, the rich and the poor, that's actually apparently not what the writers originally had in mind. That's not what they wanted. But I think that the fact that it sort of transcended into that i think that worked better as a result yeah um and on that note when you mentioned the rich and the poor um one of my uh few critiques about the episode is i don't think they quite played up the dynamic between uh, who's rich and who's poor so to speak um we get quick shots of things but we don't really see uh, a clear divide between how well the rich side is living versus the poor side and uh i think the the characters they selected to be on the rich side was interesting because you see principal skinner and uh, edna corbapo on the rich side and uh, yet and they the bullies a shoddy school yeah and the bullies are on that side that's that was uh interesting and uh at the town meeting i think bumblebee man is amongst the crowd that walks with homer but he's on TV. Viva so la revolution. That, yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that, that was interesting. Um, I, I think it was sort of a random selection of characters of who's rich versus who's poor. Something I really enjoyed, and it, it's something that I tend to enjoy when it happens. I don't know if it happens all that often, but you get a nice mix of Homer being surprisingly cunning in some ways and just straight up stupid in others. I mean, I love that he just keeps fucking up with the uh, with the area code. No matter how many times he dials it, he always gets it wrong. But then, you know, when he's negotiating with the who, what does he refer to it? You know, I think he refers to um, Old Springfield as, or is it sometimes known, Sun City? <laughs> it's like, N- nice trump card there, Homer. Well played. <laughs> I do think the storyline, though, of it being about the area code does make the episode feel a little bit dated. Because everyone just has cell phones now? A little bit, yeah. Um, area codes aren't really a big thing in the 21st century uh, these days. But I think it does sort of uh, bring us back to a nostalgic point, in a sense, uh, mm. that we can recall that sort of time. Uh, I don't know how many times uh, people had split area codes in a town, or even if they had to divide the town because of that versus poverty. Uh, but it does have a, a sort of nostalgic angle on it that's fun. Well, that's why I really enjoy Bart versus Australia because the whole Bart having to dial like a million numbers to get to Australia just always gets a good <laughs> chuckle out of me. <laughs> if I may speak for the old people, um, <laughs> I know that we have a huge old people contingent listening to Four Finger Discount, um, but uh, no, I remember growing up that we had our landline phone number and um, I think it was sometime in the 80s that they actually tacked like two numbers onto the beginning of it for some reason. And I mean... Okay, so now it's what? It's a seven-digit phone number. But for some reason, a lot of people got really up in arms. Like, you're adding 5-2 to the numbers that you already know. It's not exactly that difficult. You know, <laughs> are, you, are, are you saying you're not smarter than a monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember the first time you saw this episode, Jaden? I don't. And this was the first time I had seen that episode in years. Um, much yeah, like uh, an assortment of episodes... I remember what they're about, and I remember seeing them, but then when I revisit them years later, uh, it's sort of a new experience for me. But we do have the DVD sets, and I believe I watched it then, so it must have been when I first got them and binged them all over the Christmas break that I received them. I think the DVD sets, in particular the Simpsons ones, they were like the holy grail for me. I think they were sort of my first introduction to what an audio commentary was. I I couldn't wait to hear 
the writers and the producers' thoughts on the episode. What about yourself? Were, were you a big fan of the audio commentaries? Uh, truth be told, um, I haven't actually listened. Well, when mm-hmm. I first got them, I didn't listen to them a whole lot um, because I just wanted to see all the episodes in their full glory. But uh, I, I remember accidentally putting on the commentary to the Sherry Bobbins episode. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I did it again with Poochie and learned a lot of interesting things about the show that otherwise would just be lost to any Simpsons nerd, I would think. So it is, as you said, sort of a holy grail for the fans. Now, Mr. Mr. Guy Davis here, who we're doing the podcast with, he is one of the best movie reviewers in the country. He has seen just about every movie you can possibly think of. <laughs> Were you, have you ever listened to the, the Simpsons audio commentaries, Mr. Davis, or are you... I must admit I have not. Um, okay. I, I say this to my uh, to my shame that I actually don't have any box sets here. I'll come and borrow yours, Dandoff. That's all right, and then <laughs> <can> uh, <laughs> then I might do a bit of listening because I don't mind a good commentary every now and then. But they they are sort of they're gold when you find a good one. They are few and far between. But uh, the the best ones are usually very entertaining and very very instructive. So uh, I'm going to have to have a listen. There's one thing for certain: I would definitely listen to a commentary with Jaden because your voice is very soulful, sir. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> Ooh. Alrighty, well, Jaden, uh, what Guy and I are going to do right now is get into our usual trivia, new name segments and whatnot. Once we finish our full recap, I'm hoping you can stick around and join us and we can chat about what you've got going on in your life at the moment. Ah, crap. Yeah, sure. Hey, my favourite. As I mentioned at the start, I mean, a lot of people just got nice little bits in this. I mean, uh, whether it's just, you know, one line as a reaction or whatever. I mean, I love at the town meeting that... Um, you know, they're talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, smarter than a monkey, are you? And I think Chief Wiggins says, ah, how big of a monkey? Yeah, how big of a monkey? <laughs> Plus, a lot of good stuff at that town meeting. I mean, first of all, well, there's a monocle drop. A monocle drops into a martini. You know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm just a huge fan of that. Was it Lindsay Nagel who was sort of chairing the meeting and basically just being very condescending? Um, it was, yeah. So she was sort of trying to push that this is the good thing, what's happening right now, yeah. Always happy when Lindsay Nagel shows up. Yeah, look, I don't think we need to wait until we sort of go into the actual discussion of the episode, but um, one thing I like to sort of get into the mechanics of the of the storytelling of The Simpsons. I mean, uh, you know, you, sometimes you've got an inciting incident and that'll sort of go through the whole rest of the story. But, I mean, the badger in this, you know, the badger sort of taking over Santa Little Helper's doghouse and all that kind of business and... You know, ripping, <laughs> ripping Homer's stomach to pieces while miraculously keeping his shirt intact. What am I, Taylor? But um, once, you know, all that happens, that only happens to get Homer to pick up the phone to call animal control and then realises, oh, wait a minute, now there's new, you know, they messed up the phone numbers. It's going to just ruin everything. And, you know, the badger sort of sticks out, yeah, yeah, we don't need you anymore. You're done now. <laughs> <laughs> but then they come back at the end, which was it a does, nice touch. It does, yes. Badger invasion of a of spring of a reunited Springfield. So, um, yeah, I'm always hard pressed to think of, um, you know, it, well, I'm not hard pressed to think of specific moments that I like because there are so many of them. But it's very hard picking out a favourite, and that's before you even that's before you even get to the Who. The introduction of the Who is really good. And yeah, what they yeah, bring to the table is fantastic. As we discussed with Jaden, yeah, like the, the Who was just one of one of my favorite guest appearances in a long time. I thought they just they were up for the joke, and it's not the kind of thing that you would normally expect. And I know Jaden compared them to when U two appeared, but I think they were much better than when U two appeared because U two were just sort of there 
they, they were performing live and that was about it and you, mm. Bono wanted to sort of get his message across, blah, blah, blah. But this, they played into the story. They resolved the story, really. But I just thought they had so many funny lines. It was just, it took me off guard. I was like, wow, I don't remember this performance being so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was... You know, they uh, played into a lot of sort of Who history as well. I mean, you know, Homer sort of trashing the hotel room like Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey were known to do back in there in the glory. Specifically, Keith Moon, the uh, the former drummer of the of the uh, of the Who. I think he was a notorious hotel room trasher. And they were like, "But we won't get our bond back or something along those lines." We won't put no pool privileges. <laughs> that's a oh, that's right. Yeah, they get their pool privileges revoked. Uh, I just really enjoyed the whole. Yeah, we could use the walk. <laughs> Yeah, they they're very they're very look on the bright side. They're very glass half full. The Who, for the most part. Yeah, very very good stuff. Next question: You there eating the paste? Alrighty, trivia, Mister Davis. I'm going to kick things off this week. Go right. An easy ahead. one for you. Alrighty, Ooh. we've got. What was the name of the telephone mascot from Lindsay Nagel's video? It was Phony. He was also the president. Yeah, Phony what? Oh, Phony McPhoneson. Phony McRing Ring. <laughs> oh, Phony McRing Ring. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of Bodie McBoatface. Um, it's just, uh, the Simpsons are classic for that. Something Mick something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, my question. How long uh, did the people of Springfield spend at Area Code Camp? Oh. I don't know. A week? Uh, it was actually two weeks. Two weeks. As, as, as Lenny pointed out. Or was it Carl? Wait a second. I've got to check my hand here. It was Lenny, the white one. <laughs> <laughs> Which football team wants to join New Springfield? It's the Arizona Cardinals. Correct. Get walking. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Cardinals. They, I never really catch a break. I, I, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals was the team in uh, in Jerry Maguire that Cuba Gooding Jr. played for. And they were sort of regarded really? as like, yeah, a bit of a second-rate team, even though they had yeah. you know the, the great Cuba Gooding Jr. playing for them. Um my next question: What was um, what was the Who's original name? But back when Homer used to like them, ah, uh, it's the uh, Nat lost on me. It's not like it's like, like Nat. Tell me, what is it? It's the Hillbilly Bugger Boys. I was going to say it sounds like Hillbillies, doesn't it? Damn it, it was Hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff. You got me. Uh, what was the brand of toilet paper that you cannot beat? It's Henderson's. Henderson's. I really enjoyed how, that in Marge. Do you have a bathroom I can try and use it? <laughs> how how excited was Marge to use the Henderson's? Have you ever, have you ever had that when you are just like desperate, and you've you know you've hit up a a servo or particularly a Seven Eleven. Seven Elevens and and convenience stores are not cool about you using their uh, their facilities. I have gone to a place before where they wouldn't let me do it unless I bought like a pack of gum or something from the front. Like it's for, it's for <laughs> customers only. I can't remember, it was, it was, we were on a road trip somewhere and it was like this small town. I said, oh, it's only for customers only. And I was like, oh, please, 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 please. Like, no, no, you just have to buy something. So like made me go out to the car, get my wallet and then buy like, a, I think it was like a pack of Tic Tacs or something just so I could use their toilet, which I had to get uh, the key. Because like, I couldn't just run in there and use it. It was one of those ones where you had to get the key off the guy, go around the back, unlock it. It was that kind of deal, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the key is always connected like a hubcap. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think this was connected to like a, you know, like the, uh, the, the watch the clock in um, Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Like the mm. pocket watch. It's kind of like a pocket watch, yeah, but it was a really big one. <laughs> oh, God, I don't think you want to be taking the watch from Pulp Fiction into a toilet, given, <laughs> given the history of the watch from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, is it my, my question next? Yes. Yes, your question next, yeah. Who uh, who built the wall? 
separating ye olde Springfield from New Springfield? What was the name of the, of the company? Oh, I know Fat Tony runs it. Um, 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 oh, I should be able to get this one. Oh, shit. Come on. You can do this. You can do this. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you, were so, you were so close. Uh, the company is called... Is, it, you weren't. <laughs> it's Lowball Construction. Lowball Construction, yes. I wonder if they're the same ones that built the uh, the ramps at the school that time. Oh, Bart turned, was in the, wheelchair. turned the school into a basically one big slide fest. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. My next question is, what was causing the traffic jam that Bill and Marty were discussing? Oh... Oh, I am completely blanking, and I and, and I was and I was really enjoying Bill and Marty. It's because Joan Collins was in town. That's oh oh um, a mattress uh, truck like uh, jackknifed or something, didn't it? Yeah, oh, just a mattress on the highway. Oh, just a mattress. <laughs> Poor they really Joan. got into Joan Collins in this episode, didn't they? <laughs> they really did, and I love the little corp, the little shout out again during the town meeting. Was like, was it Mo or or Krusty who said something about? Yeah. Oh, they try to give us a Joan Collins special, or the Joan Collins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, like, Joan Collins like, special. <laughs> I think it's Groundskeeper Willis. Hey, we're getting it, but good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, Joan Collins was, you know, quite the sex symbol back in the day. I mean, she well, was she really okay? Oh well, certainly back in the oh god, you've got to go way back in the time, like back to the fifties and sixties when she was quite the young ingenue. But then she sort of reinvented herself in the seventies and eighties as like the mature sex symbol on on Dynasty and ver- and various other sort of uh, I think movies adapted from w- <laughs> books written by her sister Jackie Collins, author of Hollywood Wives and other such stuff. Stuff that I actually my sisters loved reading it, and I ended up sort of reading it by default because I think, oh, this is how grown ups interact. Oh my god, this is how grown ups interact. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I first watched this, like I could watch this twice. I watched it last week, and I was like. Jane Collins. I, I was getting confused with Joan Rivers. I was like, Joan Rivers ever do? <laughs> uh, where are the Who staying? I don't know. What is the answer? It is Hotel Pillow Mint. Hotel Pillow Mint. Okay. My final question is, what is the name of the arena that the Who was supposed to be playing at? Oh. It's a very somewhat dated reference. <laughs> Well, given that we're talking about something from the year 2000, yeah, it probably is very dated. Um, was it named after something like a like a, a, a company or a... No, no, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I'm tapping out with this one. Yahoo Search Engine Arena. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look, 20 years from now, if we're still watching television or whatever, you know, they'll probably be making jokes about Marvel Stadium in Melbourne. Do you remember when there was other search engines... Besides Google, that people actually used. Um, well, I mean, I know that Bing is kind of a the uh, butt of a lot of jokes, but I keep getting like default things like, "Would you like to use Bing?" I'm like, "No, I would not." Yeah, I never. Please, I've told you six times. I don't want to use Bing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there was one called as well. I think it was called Ask Jeeves. Oh yeah, I do remember Ask Jeeves. Was that yeah? Was that was a search engine, wasn't it? I thought that was more like just an online advice column, like. Oh, okay. I just I just remember the picture of the dude. I do. Jeeves. <laughs> I kept mixing up Jeeves with Mr. Skin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, easily done. <laughs> so I was asking Jeeves all the wrong questions. Uh, so I have one more question. If you've got one, otherwise we'll move right on. I do have one more question. Um, 
How many uh, disposable sashes are on Homer's mayoral sash roll? I do know that. It's 50. 50 already? <laughs> 50 already. <laughs> he goes through them. From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week. Before we get into the Guy Davis New Name Championships for this week, we are going to be reading through our $20 patrons. We've got Jordan Moleman Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer. Happy birthday, Andrew. It was your, his birthday this past week, I saw. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to you. Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Lucasiewicz, Tom Parton, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett. Now, these next two, Mr. Davis, we need to give a very special shout out to because they've been $20 patrons for a uh, since the start of the month, I believe, or mm-hmm. maybe a little bit longer, and for some reason, I just missed their names. So, Timothy Bellison and Brandon Twitchell, we apologize so much for not reading your name out. It's completely my fault, not Guy Davis's fault at all, but we need to give a double thumbs up to those two guys, Timothy Bellison and Brandon Twitchell. We love them, don't we? We do indeed, and look, Dando's trying to put all the blame on himself, but really, I should have picked him up on this, so we're all at fault here. In fact, uh, look, everyone's at fault, So except except those two people. Um, so, shout out to those. Uh, you are welcome in the $20 patrons pantheon of heroes. Now, the current leaderboard stands as at this. We've got in third position, we've got Talia Enriquez. In second position, on two points, we've got Garode Harrahill, Gear. And in first position on three points, we have Alistair Danik. All right, Mr. Davis, who okay. have we got this week? In new titles, and by the way, thank you for sort of giving it the honorific, the Guy Davis New Titles Championship or whatever it was. I feel just about as honored as Yahoo Search Engine there. That's great. <laughs> um, a few honorable mentions before we get to gold, silver, and bronze. Uh, Jennifer Mackay, or McKay, with Divided We Call is one that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we had... Um, look. I think it's to be expected with, uh, you know, an episode that has a certain thing at the centre of it. You had a lot of plays on wall and a lot of plays on who. Uh, we can't go into all of those now, but they are available on the uh, on the patrons page if you want. They were, well, I think we're up to something like maybe 75 at last count. We had a lot of good entries this summer. Um, also a lot of uh, references to Who song titles, and I'd like to give a particular shout-out to Josh Hedge and Jackson Stefanovsky, uh, both of who sort of played with Barbara O'Reilly, a.k.a. Teenage Wasteland. Uh, Josh came up with Bubba O'Diley, which I liked, mm, and uh, Jackson had Bubba Do'Reilly. Both <laughs> I like it. Yeah, not bad I, I, at I, all. Call, call me crazy, but I'm a sucker for sneaking in the word Do'. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who do it very, very well. But let's get to the whole un de trois of it all. And one point goes to Ian Gordon for Rock and Roll, Wall of Shame. Not bad. Not bad at all. That's very good. I did did like the overall vibe of the episode, how they just built this wall, divided the... This episode was just a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Look, it's a really silly heightened concept that also you know has had resonance back then has a little resonance now with talk of building walls and separation and all that kind of stuff but uh, yeah it it just threw in so many great gags but it was underpinned by you know an interesting and even kind of serious idea it was yeah it was just a, a terrific episode this one i was very very happy with it so that was ian gordon was it ian gordon with one point 
Well done. So he's now equal third position with Talia. Okay. Two points go to Neil Parks. Neil Parks. Uh, because okay. he uh, he supplied two good ones, two good alternative titles. Um, no Concert for Old Springfield was uh, one that Ooh, I... Oh, that's very good. One that I liked. But in relation to the wall that we were just talking about, I think this is a pretty neat one. Uh, Legs Lou and Tony sure build a mean trash wall. <laughs> it's a very long title, but it's good. I think it's, I, it's, I think... I prefer the first one, but it's still that second one's quality. Indeed, you know it's 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 talking about the uh, the uh, the main idea of the episode, and it's throwing in a Who reference. So and but you know, not even just a Who reference, but um, playing around with a Who reference. So nice work, nice work. Speaking of nice work, who gets three points this time around? It's a blazing return to form for D. L. Gorman. DL uh, actually had a few. He had three, so hence the three points. Um, for all the trendy people, DL's throwing in a few each time. You to start throwing in a few. It is, as I've said in the past, a numbers game. You know, I mean, we like quality. We like quantity. We love quality and quantity. So that's the, that's the way to my heart, folks. Quality and quantity. Um, DL Extra salt came, in those chips. Well, that's... <laughs> Extra salt and some vinegar. Um, <laughs> Dio came up with well, one of them was "Who you gonna call?" So it's got the who, and it's oh, got you know, and it's got yeah. calls. There we go. I like it. Yeah, talking about my segregation. Yeah, again, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty good. Bad. But the one that I dug the most, Homer, here's the who. That's actually very, very. This, yeah, that's worthy of first position. Well done, DL. You just seem no. to be nailing it out of the ballpark every week. It's, not, it's, not, it's almost like not fair to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> he should have his own leaderboard. Oh, he or she have their own separate leaderboard. Oh yeah, but I think the likes of Gear or Neil or uh, there are there are a few others who are you know fairly good at this game. I mean, let's not uh, give DL an inflated uh, inflated ego here. But having said that. Some winners this time around, DL. Well played. Now, since it's only week two, we have tie for first, second, and third, obviously, because we've got six different people, which I like. It's a bit of a variety this time. So, Alistair, Danik, and DL on the top with three points each. You've got Garode and Neil Parks on two points each. And Talia, Enriquez, and Ian Gordon on one point each in third position. So, don't forget to keep sending your new names through, guys. If you want to be a part of the Guy Davis Championship, the new name championship is going to be a $2 plus patron where you get access into the four-figure discount Facebook community, where you also get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts. If you're $5 plus or more, you get this show a week early, plus all other bunch of exclusive podcasts such as Talking Seinfeld, Tales of Futurama, Take It Like a Mandalorian, I did a Stranger Things podcast, The Guy and Davis Show, our movie reviews, and much, much more. So just go to patreon.com slash four-figure discount. The link is in the description of this podcast. Also got to send some love out to our listeners on Twitter. If you haven't followed us yet, at Four Finger Pod, and if you're not a patron, this is your way to contribute to the new name segment. I'll just read through some of my favorites. At Sam the Angel Fox, Barbara Doe Riley, in brackets area code Wasteland, really enjoy that one. At Stuart Ritchie 20, whose wall is it anyway? <laughs> That's really good stuff. At Lila95, the good, the bad, and the who? At Supernova Dragon, Dark Side of the Dope. At Bryson Beck, I really did appreciate this one. Nino Who One Doe. And finally, Dan Thompson, 10862 Springfields, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the New Area Codes. Thank you so much, guys, for contributing. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod. And by doing so, you can find the post when I post it at the start of the week and contribute your new name to the segment as well. Now, Mr. Davis, let's get into our review of A Tale of Two Springfields. 
The original air date was November 5th in the year 2000. The chalkboard gag is I will not plant subliminal messages and has Al Gore. <laughs> yeah, the, that uh, worked, in the, that in worked the out real well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They loved Gore for a while there. Um, oh. And the couch gag was that Bart puts the whoopee cushion underneath Homer. Call me crazy again, but a, a whoopee cushion gag gets me. I know. I, when I was a kid, I was a fiend for the whoopee cushion. Loved it. Always doing it to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did he react to it? Was he all right with it? After the fourteenth time, he was just had enough. <laughs> <laughs> he showed remarkable restraint for you know putting up with it more than a dozen times. Good on him. The episode kicks off with Bart attempting to feed the dog, but he realizes that the dog is not in the doghouse. It is a vicious creature. And he sees that it's a badger. Are badgers actually this angry? I've only ever seen them sort of just waddle along, cool and yeah, calm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, maybe they're more frightened of us than we are of them. I mean, mm. it might be the case that um, I, I feel that way with possums. I'm pretty sure I've said the story on the podcast before about, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and hearing a bit of a rustle and going to the kitchen, finding that a possum has actually made its way into my house. And like... Okay, I'm I'm not going to go over there and pick it up because you know it's probably got sharp claws and it's probably rabid or something like that. So you, you know, you try to, you know, shush it out with a broom or something along those lines, and it's probably more terrified, you know, of of me than I am of it. And that may well be the case with badgers, although this badger in the doghouse looked pretty damn fearsome. Uh, this is one badger you would not want to mess with. But Bart says, you know what, you got a new housemate. Tries to push the dog in, which I thought was kind of out of character for Bart. Bart putting his dog. In blatant danger like that? I thought, that's a bit silly. It did seem a bit um, cruel. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes to ask Lisa. And so she goes to whatbadgerseat.com. I think I read on the Wikipedia page that the writers actually made that website after this episode aired. I've heard about that, yeah. And um, Let's, let's Google, let's Google it right now. Whatbadgerseat.com. Continue. <laughs> well, what did they eat? Stoats? Stoats, yeah. Not in a so- can, though. <laughs> I feel bad that Bart couldn't even recognise corn. Um, Must you make fun of me? What badgers? <laughs> what badgers eat? dot com. Let's have well, a look. Cl- All right. Clearly, they're they're kind of predator. Well, I mean, a stoat's an animal, so I mean, clearly they're meat eaters. Yeah, they must be. All right. Mm. So if I type what badgers eat. dot com, it changes to fox. dot com. Oh, as in, as in the network, not the uh, not the adorable animal. Uh, uh, <laughs> the adorable animal that you love to share on social media, the um the network. So that it must be owned by Fox. Yeah, they must still own it. The well, domain. There you go. I feel like like in the early, like mid to late nineties, there were plenty of domains ready to be snatched up that no one just thought to do. Can you imagine how much like you know, podcast dot com would be worth now? You know what I mean? Oh my god! Or like sex dot com. Like that that URL <laughs> would be worth millions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sex.com just sounds like the kind of thing you'd type in when you were 15 or 14. Actually, no, even I mean. younger. You know, isn't that your target? Isn't that the, like the, the porn industry's target demo, though? 15 to 21-year-olds? Oh, pretty much. <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, um, squeaky-voiced teen from The Simpsons like, oh, t- looks like another Saturday night and I ain't got nobody. Time to meet my virtual girlfriend at sex.com. Sex.com. <laughs> uh, they realise that they eat woodpeckers, so Bart goes to get Todd's woodpecker, planning to feed it to the badger. What kind of pet is a woodpecker? <laughs> I was going to say, but I feel like it's a random pet, but it's the kind of pet that 
seems like Todd would want. All God's creatures. We get um, Bart trying to feed it to the badger. It pecks him on the head. We get the little Woody the woodpecker laugh and it flies into the bud, uh, bug catcher. Can then you do a Woody woodpecker I, laugh? I can't. I'm not even going to attempt it. Why not? Go on, give it a whirl. No. Go on. It's not hard. It's a bit like Krusty. Like, I can't follow that now. <laughs> so, so you're, oh, you're, that, wh- that was wow. a bang on Krusty. Well, that was actually Jaden. No, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Jaden's still on the line. <laughs> Get off the line, Jaden. Television broken? No, there's a badger in there. Badger, my ass. It's probably Millhouse. 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 <laughs> it's a badger, all right. Or possibly a griffin. Bart, do you have any dynamite in your room? Tons. Get it. No, Dad. We don't want to kill him. Let's call animal control. Great idea. Then we should call a doctor about this. How did the badger do that without ripping your shirt? What am I, a tailor? I mean, him lifting his shirt and all of his organs being visible is a bit much, but whatever. <laughs> it's a little gross, but it's such a great... It's such a great gag. Like, how did he not rip your shirt? Yeah, what am I, a tailor? <laughs> Homer... Uh, goes, he's going to go call the animal catcher. I just love that there was the, the 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 woman sort of fending off the octopus and the animal control ad in the phone book. I didn't see that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I mean that, that's what I mean. There's just little bits in there. It's like oh, and you know, it's it's not there for long, but <laughs> yeah, love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, nothing goes wasted. Yeah, much like Pygmalion. Hmm. Homer is calling the animal catcher. Or are they called animal catchers? Yeah, animal catcher. Animal control, and or yeah. Animal control, that's right, yeah. And they, this is where he realizes that there's the new area code. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please make sure you have the correct area code. Area code? But it's a local call. The phone company ran out of numbers, so they split the city into two area codes. Half the town keeps the old 636 area code, and our half gets 939. 939? What the hell is that? Oh, my life is ruined. Jeez, you just have to remember three extra numbers. Oh, if only it were that easy, Marge. (laughs) No way, we got bigger problems now. I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to call the newspapers, the TV stations, the gas stations. Everybody! I can understand to an extent why it would be annoying and somewhat shocking. I mean, if you've gone 39 years of your life with a certain phone number or a certain amount of phone numbers and then you've got to add three more, you'd be like, come on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of muscle memory. Yeah, you know that you would, um, you know, be dialing a certain number, and yeah, to so, to have to rewire your brain, yeah, particularly at this uh, this stage of your life, it's like, uh, you know, why? What's the, what's the deal with change? Why do you have to change things that are working perfectly good, like the way they were? Uh, I mean, like Homer, I would probably end up in the fetal position. I mean, how annoying would it be if you had to change your mobile phone number now? Well, I think it would require. Yeah, me sort of what, what having to. <laughs> do you actually ever dial a mobile phone number anymore? If it's, I mean, most of most of them you sort of just have in your address book, right? That's that's exactly right. Yeah, but if someone says what's your phone number, you got to remember it still. You know what I mean? There is that. Yes, I mean I don't know the lovely Louise's phone number. I couldn't tell it to you. You don't even. Though, I don't know it. Huh? Did she no, put I it mean, in her? Did she put it in your phone for you? 
Oh, I mean, she told me once, and I put it in my phone, and ever since then, I just you know. Yeah, I guess yeah. You, you, you make a good point because you don't you don't dial the number anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't know your number. I don't know your number. Whoa. <laughs> I don't even have your number. You are deleted, sir. Good day, sir. Do you know my blood type? Double O negative. That is correct. Actually, I don't know. I don't even know my own blood type. I don't even know if that's actually a blood type, but it's, I think it sounded right. <laughs> double O negative is like double O seven. What are you talking about? I don't know. Uh, so, um, yeah, so the, the, this is where Homer tells the badger to go away and blah, blah, blah. So we're mm-hmm. now at the plant and Homer is discussing with Lenny and Carl about everything. But Homer's just like, he's just trying to uh, emphasize that he had no idea this was happening. He's trying, that, that's his agenda. They didn't give us enough warning, but Lenny and Carl mm-hmm. are like, mate, so <laughs> they many. couldn't have warned us more. <laughs> I hate this new area code. Like I don't have enough to remember already. Is that right? Don't you miss the old 636, Carl? I'm not sure which one's better. The 6 is closer to the 3, so you got convenience there. But the 9 has less to do with Satan, which is a plus in this religious world of ours. What really burns me up is they didn't give us one word of warning. What do you mean? They ran those TV commercials about it and that big radio campaign. Don't forget the leaflets they dropped from the space shuttle and the two weeks we all spent at Area Code Camp. Not a single word of warning. So Hober now hears the radio contest, and you were discussing at the start, and I, I agree. I thought Bill and Marty, I really enjoyed this, like, one minute of them just being radio DJs, just doing all the radio cliches. Yeah, I mean, they're very, very cliched. And I mean, that Austin Power shout-out is kind of like the cherry on the cake. It's very <laughs> that, 2000, that, isn't it? Oh, they're very, oh, behave. Do, do people still do Austin Powers impersonations? I mean, I'm sure they do to some degree, but I mean... It's it really kind of it's fallen off the uh, fallen off the map a little bit. Well, it's kind of like you go to Warner Brothers Movie World in Queensland, and there's still that guy dressed up as Austin Powers, and it's kind of just like eh, I don't know. It doesn't, uh, really, yeah. it doesn't really fit in today's society. A guy just being that much of a chauvinistic idiot. <laughs> much, much, yeah, that much of a lech. Yeah, I mean, um, but uh, I don't think you really sort of have yeah, baby, or oh, behave. Yeah, so much as kind of like. Um, punchlines these days or sort of all I feel, like Doctor, I feel like Dr. Evil was more I, I have my my friends use Dr. Evil quotes more than Austin Powers okay like which ones do you think I'm just trying to think of which uh, they, they, they used to say things and they put their pinky to their mouth oh yeah I can't, I can't remember what the quotes were what, what's some of the iconic Dr. Evil quotes I haven't seen those films for a long time yeah nor have I actually I think it's the one the main one oh, that I remember the, the, the molly 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 that was popular for a while yeah one million dollars, I think, was. I was, yeah. was going to say that million dollars. Yeah, that's the yeah. one that seems to. Yeah, but, but yes, um, the, but the Austin Powers kind of um, yeah shout out is just very two thousand you know Bill and Marty in the morning kind of uh, kind of mic drop thing. Yeah, I love it. You, you sh- surely we're going to get an Austin Powers four at some point, right? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, um, and Mike Myers is doing nothing else now. Not that he needs to, but. <laughs> That's the thing. I think you could pretty much uh, yeah, dine out on Austin Powers residuals for the rest of his days. Uh, that and Shrek. That and Shrek, yeah. I mean, uh, look, maybe they could do a, you know, Austin Powers Jr. or something and have Mike Myers come in as like a, you know, uh, original flavour Austin for, you know, a little bit. But, you know, it'll be some kid doing I don't know who. I don't know who the kids are these days. I don't know who some young person you would cast as Austin Powers Jr. would be. Um, Tom Hiddleston, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think we need that. 
<laughs> don't, don't, don't listen to me, people. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Homer, so he's heard the radio contest. He thinks he's going to win. And turns out that because he's in a different area code now, they're actually calling Mr. Burns and he wins the tickets to the Who concert. Bart says, why don't you give him a phone call and complain? And then he realizes that Bart's played the prank on him and they just beat each other senseless. I think they realize that yeah, the, 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 uh, the sort of the air was out of the tires with the whole choking gag at that stage. I mean, the fact that they're just sort of like choking each other, hitting one another and just, uh, uh, just run out of juice. I found that kind of... I've, I found that a bit funny. So we're at the town hall meeting. I love that they've just separated the town with just like flags with the numbers painted on them. <laughs> and Lindsay Nagel plays her film. Hi, I'm Phony McRingring, mascot and president of the telephone company. And I'm here to explain why the convenience of one area code in... Your town. ...has been replaced by the convenience of two area codes. Uh, I have a question, Phony. It's a movie, Dad. Quiet, honey. Daddy's asking the man a question. You're probably thinking, sure, more area codes are great, and I don't mind paying the extra hidden fees. But how will I remember all those numbers? Well, scientists have discovered that even monkeys can memorize ten numbers. Are you stupider than a monkey? How big of a monkey? (laughs) Of course you're not. (laughs) I love that Hobart has a question for Phonemic Ring Ring. And he's so yeah, so confident that he's like being very patronising. No, no, I'm just asking you a question. But Homer here, he's going to raise the issue of, you know, he's bringing up the, the fact that the rich side of town still gets to live the way they were. We have to change and that's horseshit. Just creating that social diversity, uh, so, social separation of rich versus the poor. And we get another Joan Collins reference, like we mentioned, the Joan Collins special. I don't know whether I liked, and we'll discuss it with Jaden, Homer willing to kill himself. Well, that, that wasn't great, <laughs> but, uh, but no, everything else about it was. I, I did yeah, like, just, I mean, because I did like they referred to um, himself and the other sort of uh, working class blue collar members of Springfield as Joe Twelve Packs. Because I mean, Joe Six Pack is kind of a, I don't know if it was a derogatory term, but it was kind of shorthand for, you know, the working man for a while there. <laughs> and, you know, of course, Homer's not going to stop at six. He'd rather have a twelve. I accused the phone company of making that film on purpose. Well, of course we did. Now, I'm not one to make trouble, but it seems to me that everyone who got to keep the old or classic 636 area code lives on the rich side of town. Dude, puppycook. Hard never. And as usual, we Joe 12-packs get the royal screw job. Homer's right. We're getting the Joan Collins special. Right. We're getting it for good. Well, I've had it. You rich snobs aren't pushing us around anymore. And what are you pathetic slobs going to do about it? Well, I... Oh, nice wiring, Bart. Worked on the test corpse. Okay, plan B. Fellow 939ers... I say we break off and form our own city. Yes! Let's go! Viva la revolución! Now who's stupid? We come back for commercial, and Homer's painting the new sign. They're going to wait for a new football team and tell them to keep on walking. And Carl suggests maybe you should become the mayor. I thought you would have liked this, the, the vision of him being on a TV show called The Mayor. <laughs> I think it's it's riffing off, um, or it's ripping off the uh, title sequence from a an old fifties western called The Rifleman, 
Uh, oh, you might okay, wanna, then. You, I'm pretty sure it's a shot-for-shot shot, uh, remake of that. You might want to look it up on YouTube if you're interested in that kind of thing. Old Springfield are revealing their new plaque. And so basically here, I know that, that as a commoner myself, I'm positioned to feel like in this episode that, you know, yeah, screw those rich guys. It's all the, They're making it harder for the, for the poor folk. When really, they were like, you know, we could work together and make this fine, make this work. It doesn't have to be us versus them. It's Homer that instigates it all by throwing the can at Quimby. Oh, of course. Oh, look, anytime we give Homer, you know, an inch of power, he will take it and run a mile with it. Absolutely. Power goes to Homer's head instantly, every single time. I don't know why they keep recommending positions of power. In fact, if there's a villain in this episode, it's probably Carl suggesting that, um, that uh, Homer should be mayor. I'm pretty sure it was Carla suggested that Homer should become the leader of the union as well. Oh, good Lord. Stop being an enabler, Carl. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what I did appreciate was at the end that Quimby gets his vengeance by throwing the bottle at Homer's head. Ah, nice little, uh, Cause, nice cause little Qu- echo there. Well done. Yeah, because Quimby still has his head in bandages from the can, yeah. When he throws the bottle at the end. It's just yeah. a nice little touch there that isn't, isn't really pointed out or acknowledged, but I, just, I did like that little attention to detail. Presenting our new plaque. I say the time for bitterness has passed. Let us extend to our brothers in New Springfield the olive branch. Oh, New Springfield rocks! <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. We have a better town bird. Oh, yeah? What is it? The bluebird. Damn it. We're now at breakfast and Homer's got his new sash and Lisa here's pointing out the ridiculousness of the situation, you know, saying we need to, you know, st- stop doing this. There's no need for it. And Homer says that, you know, your mother and I are only together for our political careers and or for my political career. We get the photographer through the window. We needed that photographer to say, what a scoop. I'm sorry. That's yeah, no, I, was my- gonna, I was going to say, it needed something. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's one of my all-time favorite just little Simpsons bits. I still use that to this day. Anytime that, you know, someone says even, someone says something even vaguely kind of newsworthy or, you know, exciting, what it's like, oh, what a scoop. <laughs> oh, what, a, what a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Bart and Milhouse are now playing with their novelty flying disc. Is that because they weren't allowed to call it frisbee, or is that just because they wanted to be weird? <laughs> um, I, I imagine it's a little bit of both. I'm sure the fine yeah. folks at frisbee probably said, "Oh, you want to use our name, eh? Uh, well, that'll be you know so and so, such and such amount to license it." Like, okay, well, yeah, we know everyone calls it a frisbee. Let's just call it a novelty flying disc and maybe take a little dig at frisbee at the same time. Look. I'm not 100% sure about that, but that's uh, that's my two cents on the subject. It reminded me this moment of the episode Lemon of Troy, which is the, the episode with the lemon tree, where they have you know, uh, yeah. one side of the town has darker grass than the other, and they can't cross that border. Where Bart, you know, you can't go over and get his, uh, his frisbee or his novelty flying disc. But the bullies arrive, they steal his pants, and then Bart <laughs> somehow tricks them into doing his homework. Smooth move, Bart. Well played. We're now at the Quickie Mart and Marge is there buying some toilet paper. We discussed this earlier. So it was strange for Apu to, you know, charge out of town attacks and call Marge a foreign devil, particularly when it was only a couple of seasons ago we had the episode Much Apu About Nothing, where it was revolving around immigration. And it was the Simpsons family who took in Apu and, um, you know, taught him everything he needs to know about America so he could pass a test. And Apu was just proud to become an American. And the whole episode was about how everyone should be accepting of Apu, except he's now the one saying, you out-of-town foreign devils. <laughs> oh, indeed. Well, that's it's the um, that's the lesson of this episode, Dando. Yeah, but, you know, um, you can very easily get caught up in, in mob rule and sort of mob hysteria. 
The family are all watching TV and Marge explains how she was feeling very uncomfortable because, you know, it's not she wasn't around her kind. They were watching her with their, with their eyes. Oh, and then we get the news report on how bad New Springfield is. As expected, New Springfield's bold experiment and slob rule is a disaster. Hey, the TV man is talking about us. A study shows their crumbling economy is due to their lazy attitude and shoddy work. How the hell did they find that out? Scientists say they're also less attractive physically. And while we speak in a well-educated manner, they tend to use low-brow expressions like, Oh, yeah? And come here a minute. Oh, yeah? They think they're better than us, huh? Bart, come here a minute. You come here a minute. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering where that photo of, um, uh, who is it? It's Homer, Mo, Lenny, and Carl, I think, and they're all yeah, on, yeah. like... Is that a shout-out to something? I mean, uh... It must be a shout-out to something, because it's drawn so uniquely. I mean, even what they're wearing and whatnot, like... Mo yeah. looks hilarious. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm, I'm. I don't think it's grease or anything like that, or but it sort of looks like one of those mm-hmm. one of those fifties biker movies or teenage delinquent movies or something like that. If any of the listeners, uh, yeah, have any clues about that, by all means chime in and let us know. Or you know, we could look it up on Google or even Bing, or <laughs> <laughs> the Yahoo search engine. <laughs> so Homer and Bart are now sneaking into the power plant to shut down the electricity for Old Springfield. Very true to character here. So Hibbert's doing the surgery on Krusty. Can't do open heart surgery in the dark. I'll take you up on that wager. <laughs> then Professor Frank with Sir Isaac Newton. Only half of him comes through and he kicks him. Now we get the news report, right? And Brockman is sitting in a... Well, first of all, he's sitting in a TV studio with no lights, but yet is still somehow able to broadcast the news. Nothing gets past you, does it? <laughs> but the other thing is they went into the power plant and all they had to do was flick a switch. Couldn't Burns just go back to the power plant and flick the switch back on? That That's for worker bees. That's, <laughs> that's not for executives. <laughs> so we get the uh, we get the news report. <laughs> they mentioned here, so why, why exactly was Wiggum and everyone dressed as Indians throwing the beer into the river? That's a really good question. I mean, I thought it was sort of a reference to like the Boston Tea Party, a uh, bit of American okay. history back in the day, but uh, hmm. I could well be wrong. It, but, but why they're... Yeah, Dressed like any? No, I do not know. We get New Springfield draining all of the water from Old Springfield. I love hoping, blood for water! <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, they discover gold at the bottom of the riverbank. We're slightly richer. <laughs> <laughs> they get another news report mentioning how with all the money they've got from the gold, they've bought a water factory from France. Now, do you want to know a bit of a fact about Evian water? So, first of all, I was watching this scene and went, how is a factory... Uh, 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 yeah, how's a factory going to create water? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. So it turns out, even water, how is it made? It filters through layers of glacial sand on a 15-plus year journey deep in the heart of the mountains. Through this process, Evian is filtered naturally without chemicals, giving it the purity, mineral content, and taste that nature intended. Ooh. So that's what Old Springfield are now drinking. Look, I, I will admit there was a, yeah, a period where I would Go out on a Saturday night, probably drink too much, and then to recuperate on a Sunday, I would... This would be my Sunday night ritual, and this is going way back to the 90s. It would be an evening of watching Beverly Hills 90210 with fish and chips and a bottle of Avion water. <laughs> Just to sort of... Really? To, to clean out the system. <laughs> and then I realised, this is pretty much tap water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm paying 12 times as much for it. Oh, God. Man, <laughs> you, were, you were a 90210 man, were you? For some reason, I really enjoyed it. I mean... Um, Maybe I just thought Luke Perry was dreamy, and he was. Do you know, I never, I've never, ever, 
ever seen an episode of Beverly Hills 90210, but the theme music still sends just tingles of nostalgia down my spine whenever I hear it. Because you used to always hear it. I think maybe I used to hear my mum watching it when I was laying in bed, or maybe it was just from the commercials or whatnot. But yeah, the, the theme music, it's... If you said to me right now, sing the Beverly Hills theme song, I couldn't do it. But as soon as I hear it, I go, oh, that's Beverly Hills. It's just, it's a weird thing. Like, I, don't, I can't, I don't know it off the top of my head, but the second I hear it, I know exactly what it is. Yeah, it's pretty. Oh, wait a minute. That's the Beverly Hillbillies. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so ashamed of myself for doing that. Green Acres is a great show, man. Seriously. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't go back and revisit it. With the money made from the gold, old Springfield was able to buy the Evian Water Factory and fly it over here from France. Oh! Thanks, Mayor Simpson. Because of you, we're all taking golden showers. <laughs> what? Two weeks in a row now, we've gone from glory holes and golden showers. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, yeah, the writer's room are working out some stuff. <laughs> or I think they may be sort of like, hmm... It's a it's a it's a new millennium. I wonder how far we can push things on this in this brave new frontier. We're just testing out whether whether Fox are actually even watching us anymore. Well, yes, Fox turned into a hardcore sex network so so gradually we never even noticed. But I've, also, just great voice, great uh, line delivery by by Harry there. It's Harry. Oh, fantastic! Harry. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, doing Kent, of course. Yeah, isn't it? But yeah, golden shower. <laughs> Sorry, very, very and the, the chuckles from the camera crew in the background yeah, like, is great. What? 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 <laughs> Barge says this all needs to stop. You know, these are our friends. We see them every day. Homer says, you're right. We need to stop <laughs> being able to see them every day. We need to build a wall. And then we get, obviously, the direct reference. You mean like that one in Berlin? Yeah, we get the guys that built that one. <laughs> <laughs> so low ball construction. They've built the wall. I did appreciate all the uh, back references that were in the wall. So we got you know, Lisa's Angel. Um, which you had the angel. We got the giant head from the Simpsons basement and whatnot. Just yeah. references from from previous episodes, just all scattered throughout the wall. And Homer here gives his speech, which doesn't end well, does it? Absolutely not. They, everyone sort of a everyone does a run. A lot of defectors. And I'd like to thank Low Ball Construction for building this amazing wall from ninety percent recycled materials. I'm so conflicted. So what? Loyal citizens of New Springfield, you stayed on my side of town despite a total lack of hospitals and schools and a sewage nightmare that threatens to consume us all. How we get our food? All the roads are blocked. Don't worry. We have plenty of supplies to get through tomorrow. And then a wave of disease should help to... Hey! Stop screaming over the wall! At least wait till I'm through talking. Okay, now, as for food, the following breeds of dog are edible. Bye, Oh, can't believe all those rats fled my town. Guess it's just dust in the tumbleweeds. Oh! So we come back and the Simpsons are the only ones left in New Springfield. Homer punches... The butcher's window to get some meat and then punches the medical window to get some bandages. Now, here's the thing. I mean, you're someone who's always pointing out sort of lapses in logic or whatever. Everyone's left because, you know, they're talking about, oh, we're going to have to eat our edible dogs or whatever. Meanwhile, Homer punches in the butcher's window and gets a very nice string of sausages. It looked like there was plenty of meat in the butcher shop. I thought he said there was enough food to last them a day. Uh, Okay. Okay, we'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're you're probably right. 
But I'm pretty sure he said we had enough food to last us a day or something along those lines. There is one big logic hole that we'll get to later in the episode that is kind of just like, eh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so Homer's he's punched the windows, as you said, and they see the poster for The Who, and Bart suggests maybe we should get The Who to try and play here in, uh, in New Springfield. Homer says, we'll get some liquid persuasion. They go to the hotel. I thought the security guard here was just so great, wasn't he? He was indeed, but I was a little curious as to why Springfield has a shop that's just chloroform. At Springfield. Who needs that much chloroform? That's, Springfield. You know, that's Okay. <laughs> Have you been watching this show for 12 seasons? Yeah, that's true. Good point. <laughs> but I mean, if there was just a shop that was just gone chloroform and that's all it had there, you'd be somewhat <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> just a little. Not even Geelong has a shop that's just chloroform. No. Can I help you? Dad, the chloroform. Huh? All right. I'll give you this bottle of chloroform if you'll take us to the Who. No. Oh, so you want to see the Who, huh? Well, I'll take you to the Who. Here's your Who. I thought we fired that guard. Oh, yeah, right. I got fired by the Who. Whatever you say, pal. Wacko. Wow, the Who. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Rock and roll! What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Duh, trash in the hotel room. But we promised the desk clerk we'd be good. Yeah, we don't want to lose our pool privileges. Whatever. The point is, I'm Homer Simpson. The mayor of New Springfield? That's right. The crazy mayor of New Springfield? That's right. And I implore you to move your concert to our town. Don't play old Springfield. Or, as it is sometimes known, Sun City. But we have a handshake agreement with a concert promoter. And that's a sacred bond. Sacred bond. Come on. What happened to the angry, defiant who of my generation won't get fooled again and Mama's got a squeeze box? We know our songs, Homer. But those old Springfield squares are just going to make you cut your hair, turn down your music, and wear frilly shirts like Keith Partridge. Keith Partridge? Who huddle? We'll do it. Yeah. Just send a cap for us. What, is something wrong with your legs? You're right. The walk will do us good. I just think here that the Who were just spot on. They just, they just seemed, their comic timing was really good. It was, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Roger Daltrey had a bit of a side career as an actor, the lead singer of the Who. I mean, he, he was Did in he a few really? movies. really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was he in anything notable that I would know? Um, not really. I think he was in like the. Was he in the movie of Tommy? I think he probably was. Okay. Um, and he had it. Yeah, he had roles in a few other things, but I think he sort of called it quits after. Um, probably in the eighties. Uh, okay. So yeah, before but, my time. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think they were certainly trying to. Um, thought, oh, yeah, here's a good-looking guy who, you know. Thinks he can act a bit, and I think he was the lead in at least one movie. So yeah, good on him. But yeah, they no, I, I thought they. You're right. They showed uh, yeah, really good comic timing and just a, a willingness to uh, to poke fun at themselves, which is vital in this. He did a few TV shows too. By the look of it here, he did Sliders in '97. Did Lois Ooh. and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman in '96. Oh, okay. Tales from the Crypt in '93. So he did some live action TV shows. As well. He's in that '70s show as well. Anyway. That's oh. about Roger Daltrey. He was also in Porn Stars in 2014, as himself. <laughs> nice. Fun I fact. Know. So, yeah, so the Who have agreed to play in New Springfield because the walk will do them good. 
Old Springfield are now at the uh, at the Yahoo search engine arena waiting for the Who, but unfortunately they're not going to arrive. This is one of those moments here that you discussed where it's, you know, it's not necessarily overly funny, but it's it's just filling time in a way that doesn't feel wasted. So Krusty telling the story about Hendrix <laughs> and then Sasha Mel, I never get tired of that story. <laughs> <laughs> Even just the visual gag of um, you know, Skinner and Grabopel, you know, dressing their late 60s, early 70s glam gear. You know, I mean, well, it's it's pretty much an Austin Powers reference as well. It looks like a very Austin Powers frilly shirt that uh, the Skinner's wearing. Hundred percent, and it added to the final dance sequence as well. The fact that everyone was dressed up, ready to go, sixty mm. style, yeah. Yep. So they realised that who are actually playing in New Springfield. So this is the logic hole. All right, so they're playing on top of the wall. Mm-hmm. Aren't they technically playing to both towns? If you put it that way, yes, absolutely. Because um, I think I've seen enough artists who will occasionally play with their back to you that it qualifies. Because all all he has to do is just turn around. Like they're playing to like, why is everyone so upset? They're just yeah. They they, they can still see the concert. They, they all um, the who have to do is just turn around occasionally and look at them. Well, they've bought their tickets to you know Yahoo Search Engine Arena or whatever, and you know they you know had their seats and all that kind of business. I don't yeah, know. I I, I'm I'm, gra- I'm grasping at straws here, man. Yeah, the Roger hits Marge with the mic, and as we discussed, it, it, I'll, I'll put the clip in here. He actually says, How you doing out there, New Springfield? <laughs> to be honest, it's a little chilly now. Shut the fuck up, Marge. I loved the fact that Homer wanted the Who to play Grand Funk Railroad. No worries. <laughs> That's just one mention- of those recurring things they just never let go. Homer's love of Grand Funk. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention Pac-Man fever. <laughs> Homer, look, Lisa, Daddy's in the Who. Now, normally, I'll, I mean, I was expecting the Who to go to town on Homer here because that's what they're known for, for ruining mm. hotel rooms. And, you know, at the start they played up how, you know, relaxed and cool they have been, but Homer tips them over the edge. But no, nope, they let him just carry along oh, like, yeah. a, like a fool. <laughs> and it's uh, it's Quimby who returns the favour with the bottle to the back of the head. People, please. Mm. What's all this fighting about? Apparently they have two different area codes. Well, I'll be chuggered. That's the sticky wicket. Why not just buy telephones with auto ring up? Or as you Yanks call it, speed dial. Sure, speed dial. Yeah. Radio Shack has some great ones. Oh, so it's you. Magic Bus! Yeah, yeah Magic, Magic bus. bus! Okay, we'll play Magic Bus if you tear down this wall. Pinball Wizard! Oh, hell, I'll do it myself. Experiment is over. My experiment? You're the one who came up with this whole idea. Hmm. So the Who have saved the day with their music. They've torn down the wall. Uh, oh, uh, this is a great ending. I always love the episodes that incorporate the town, and they always end with a big dance sequence or something with inc- including hmm. the entire town. There's an episode um with Larry Burns, Mr. Burns' son, that ends with the. Any way you want it, that's the way you need it. And the whole town just into a big party. It had those kind of vibes to it. I just think this episode was just, uh, it's a forgotten classic, really. I think it's really is, if someone said this was in their top 
you know, top 20, 30 episodes of all time, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's that funny. I think, And it's just, there's nothing to really dislike about this episode. Not yet. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, they just keep the gags coming and the the bulk of them hit. I mean, yeah, and it, you know, it, it has a, a lesson about separation, but it ends with unity. You know, the, um, the whole town is united by the power cords of won't get fooled again. Roger Daltrey comes up with a really good speed dial idea. It's like, you know, if you can't remember a, a um, an area code, just, you know, put them in your speed dial. Good <laughs> thinking, exactly Roger. Right. You know, and, well, that, that, um, well, that's basically how we live our lives now, like you said. Roger Daltrey, fortune teller, you know, prophet of, prophet of the future. And of course, but of course, you know, being Springfield can never end on a wholly um, stable and satisfactory note. So, of course, there is going to be a badger invasion. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn for the episode, Mr. Davis? What did I learn from the episode? You tell me first while I, uh, yeah, ponder this a little bit more because there's so much in this that, I, that you can take away from. I'll learn that the Who won't be making any deals with concert promoters in the future. Sacred Bond. <laughs> I learned that, um, yeah, if you have to choose a, a band name between the Who and the Hillbilly Bugger Boys, probably go with the Who. <laughs> oh, by the way, we should also point out that uh, if you stick around to the very end of the episode, over the Gracie, you get the do 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 Oh, do you really? Okay, cool. <laughs> I love that they're doing that more and more often now. I mean, for a long time, there was nothing really over the crazy. It was just that, shh. But Ooh. now, it seems almost every episode has something, which is cool. Yeah, it is good. Now, stick around, because after the mailbag, we're going to have our good friend, Jaden LeBron, uh, coming back to discuss what he's got going on in his world at the moment and a uh, potential, potential work with The Simpsons. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Already mailbag time, Mr. Davis. Let's yep. kick off and get this done so we can get to our man, Mr. LeBron. So, Indeed. So, first question here from our patron, Mr. Jonathan Rossi. He says, if you became the mayor of your town, what band would you choose to have daily concerts? Why? What set list would you create for them? Hmm. Well, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the past, but when the lovely Louise and I were courting... Um, one of the things that we bonded over was our appreciation of the great 70s band Steely Dan. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think it's a, a yeah, pretty much a given that if I was running Geelong, I would yeah get Steely Dan to play daily concerts. I think they've got a, a wide and varied enough songbook uh, that you know every day would be something new and interesting. Plus, you know the. It would be a little difficult because one of the founding members, Walter uh, Walter Becker, actually passed away a couple of years ago, and I'm not about to do any voodoo magic and resurrect the dude. But a lot of the band uh, was made up of session musicians, all of who had their own different sort of skill sets. So I think you'd be getting um, also some pretty nifty free-form musical improvisations as well. So yes, Steely Dan, the house band of Geelong, Victoria, Australia. <laughs> I think I would go, we're choosing bands where members have passed away. I'm going to go Crowded House. I feel like they're one of those bands that you could just have on in the background and they would just put the entire town in a much brighter, happier mood. Maybe that's just walking through the mall, but yet still over in the court, like the mall, it's just a shitstorm at the moment. It's just not a great place, but you've got Neil Finn over there just singing, always take the weather with you. You'd you'd, at least feel comfort. Oh, God, yeah. Having it's, Neil it's, Finn just singing you, singing you in day in day out would be fantastic. Yeah, and look, if there's a chance to bring back the uh, the very cheerful, uh, very lovable Paul Hester back yeah. from the great beyond, let's do that. 
Yes. He now fun fact for all you nineties kids who grew up alongside myself, Paul Hester. If you go to YouTube, you'll find that he was the chef in the Wiggles infamous fruit salad. <laughs> Anyone with a kid would know this. Alrighty, next question and final question before we get to Jaden. Comes from Mr. Kenny Gadd. He says, what small change has caused you the most inconvenience over reaction? What small change? Um, what well, small change? Let me tell you, Kenny baby. G. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, a baby? <laughs> Kenny G, my, um, my answer is not as life-changing <laughs> or life-altering as Dando's. But um, I'll tell you something. Shout out to Mr. Zuckerberg. Facebook has sort of introduced a new format or a new layout recently. And, you know, I got one of those little notifications that says, would you like to try the new Facebook? I'm like, would I? And <laughs> You idiot. <laughs> and then I clicked on it. I was like, oh, God, this is ugly. Everything's all over the place. And like I said it before about muscle memory when, you know, dialing a particular phone number, it's like, no, notifications is in that area. And then I go there to sort of talk on Messenger and all that kind of stuff. And it was just... It was like you'd come home and, you know, you were sort of going through your house in the dark and someone had rearranged all the furniture. You know, it's like, ow! I've just banged my shin on a, on, a, on a coffee table that wasn't there two days ago. It's, um, yeah, so my reaction is probably a little over the top given that it's Facebook and you can actually change it back, which I did. Um, but, yeah, I was like, why have you fixed something that wasn't necessarily broken, Facebook? So, yeah, that's I, my I didn't like it when they changed the recipe for the Beaumont pie. <gasps> oh. How good were Beaumont pies? Beaumont pies were the fucking best. Just a little And they da- ruined it. <laughs> they did. You know, beautiful spicy meat, just a little dash of black pepper, just enough to go, oh, yeah, I'm into a pie here. Oh, God, Beaumont's pies were so good. And they ruined it. It's like they, it's like they, the plan was, all right, we'll take it away for a while and then we'll give it back. When they took it away, they accidentally threw out the recipe and and then they didn't know how to get it back. (laughs) It's like if you had Australia's number one pie and you bought them out, why would you change that? (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea why they would do that. And believe me, this is something I will carry with me to the grave and into the afterlife. I'll be be wandering around heaven going, you got Beaumont's here? Man, can you imagine if they somehow rediscovered the actual recipe of Beaumont pie? Like, it would actually be life changing for me. Look, it's probably somewhere on the internet. I mean, you know, there's there are sort of discussion groups just you know dedicated to make your own McDonald's at home and all that kind of stuff. Or you know, here's the secret KFC recipe. We think so. I'm pretty sure that you know some industrious Geelong person is probably going, yeah, I'm. I'm going to try and recreate the Beaumont's pie formula, and they and look, they'll probably eventually do it. By with by, by the time they do it, all my teeth will have fallen out, and I'll be just like, "What's your pie?" And yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be too late. But still, the next generation of people will be able to enjoy pies, Beaumont's pies. Alrighty, guys. Right now, coming up is our chat with the one and only Jaden LeBron. <laughs> Mr. LeBron is back. Sorry for keeping you waiting, sir. What, what were you doing for the past 45 minutes? Uh, gee, I don't know. Uh, on the can, some waffles. <laughs> and Moon <butter>. waffles. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, baby toilet waffles. <laughs> so we are touching on it earlier on that you've got some pretty exciting things going on at the moment. Are we allowed to discuss or is it still hush-hush? Uh, yeah, we can talk about it a little bit. Okay, cool. So I, you've told me some things, but I won't say it here in case we're allowed to say that. But you, we all know you've been in touch with the show. You know, Harry spoke to you on Twitter and some people... Some oh, well, he writers. didn't speak to me. He, uh, oh. he made the joke at my expense. But <laughs> yeah, it's all been fun, I guess. Oh, yes. <laughs> he acknowledged your existence. That's, that's one yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's something. And uh, a senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, uh, I don't know how well-known he is over there, but he's not very popular here. Uh, he retweeted... He's a Zodiac killer, right? Yeah, that's him. That's him. Uh, he retweeted that <laughs> remark. So that was my first time getting acknowledged by a U.S. senator, too. Uh, not really how I thought it would happen, but it happened. So there we go. Honestly, his impressions were straight garbage. <laughs> they were terrible. That's- all, all due respect to the elected official from the great state of wherever, but uh, no, no good. Don't give up your day job. I mean, he can do that too. He can give up all he wants. Oh, yeah, please. Actually, please do that. That'd be great also. <laughs> Well, we all know how many voices you can do. And because of the whole Black Lives Matter, the Simpsons have come out and said that characters of colour will not be voiced by white actors anymore, which is where you've swooped in and you said, I can, you know, you put your hand up, you've said, I can do this. And is it, are we allowed to discuss, what, what can we discuss? You tell us what we're allowed to discuss, what's been happening recently. Well, uh, I can tell you this. Um, first of all, when that announcement was made, it was 15 minutes after Family Guy made the announcement that Mike Henry wouldn't be doing Cleveland Brown. And uh, uh, I thought at the time, okay, I could put out some Cleveland Brown videos and maybe I could get noticed that way. And then 15 minutes later, The Simpsons, and I thought, yeah, th- these guys are the, the top dogs here and this mm. is where I should be. So I put out my first uh, uh, audition uh, and I say audition with air quotes, although you can't see it, but um, <laughs> it was just a video of me doing four voices of uh, prominent black characters on the show. And it was Dr. Hibbert, Carl, Lou, and Judge Schneider. And uh, that, uh, it was about a minute long, and it got shared a bunch, and it was uh, uh, circulated throughout the producers of the show, and uh, they caught on and messaged me. Um, so after that, I put out a video of, I think, 33 characters, um, both white and black, of popular Simpsons characters. And I did uh, Homer and uh, uh, Burns and Smithers and all sorts of other characters, along with the ones I auditioned for. And that got, uh, I think it's at 50,000 views or so on my private Facebook. And nice. it was just shared a whole bunch. And then I did another one. Then I started making up my own scenes as the characters uh, and I'm currently working on one with uh, Carl and Lenny uh, recreating a scene from Pulp Fiction. And after that, I'm going to do uh, a scene from Joker as Krusty the Clown and Kent. Uh, but it's just been a massive explosion of uh, attention and something that I honestly wasn't ready for. And uh, BBC got in contact with me one day and uh, they had an interview, and that dropped the same day that I had been asked to try out for the characters. Uh, and it was just a, a sudden rush of uh, euphoria, and it's been great. I mean, how long have you known you've been able to do these voices? Was it just something you sort of went, you heard the announcement and went, I'm going to try and do these? Or have you, I mean, because you've obviously got the talent for it. Is well, it something you've been doing over the years at parties for your friends and now it's actually something that could oh, turn no, into a job? I, I or? <laughs> uh, I, I've done voices for my friends um, as long as I can remember, but I had never really took the time to perfect these characters. Um, I 
in 2015 or so, when Harry Shearer first uh, uh, retired from the show temporarily, mm-hmm. I did a video reading as his, as his characters. And I think I was about 16 years old and my voice hadn't developed yet. So, you know, when he sort of talked like that and, <laughs> and when Ned Flanders sort of just talked like that, and it was just really terrible. Uh, and then uh, I, I didn't record myself doing Simpsons voices until uh, the announcement that the Simpsons had uh, uh, been recasting. Uh, and um, over the past couple of weeks, since I first did that, uh, I listened to it again and think, well, that needs improvement. And uh, I think I've gotten better at my uh, Carl and Dr. Hibbert and other characters. Um, so it's it's more or less been over the course of the past couple of weeks or months or so that I've uh, uh, really nailed down some of these characters. Jaden, were there any that you uh, that you uh, gave a took out for a spin, any character you sort of took out for a spin voice-wise, thinking, oh, I've got this, or I might be a natural for this, and then you sort of heard it back and, and thought, uh, oh, wait a yeah. minute, no, <laughs> not quite, not really. When I first did uh, Dr. Hibbert, um, well, I just sort of just did this voice like this, like uh, Dr. Hibbert, and then I realized, uh, I listened to a couple of clips, and I, I noticed that his voice was way deeper, so um, I'm going to take a sip of my tea here, and I can do the voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And now I realize he's way down here like that. <laughs> oh, yes, Dr. Hibbert here. Oh. Uh, and when I first did Carl, um, uh, I, I didn't really have the nasal quality. And I was just sort of talking like this. Hey, Alba. Uh, and then I realized you really got to throw your, your nasal, your, your nose, your, you know, your nose into the voice here. Hey, Homer, way to get much pregnant. Ah, nuts. <laughs> I need uh, ah, nuts. Uh, Lou was the uh, the only character that I thought was uh, really solid at first, and I think he still is good because um, I have this puppet character uh, named Officer Mac, and he just sort of talks like this. He's just always speaking in his voice, and I didn't realize uh, until I noticed that the uh, th- that it had been Lou, and I was just doing Lou's voice subconsciously. So he said, "Hey, Steve, you know your pants are gonna burst in a minute now, or something like that," uh, and. Um, the fourth one was uh, uh, Judge Schneider. Um, I wasn't doing his voice deep enough. and uh, Just like Dr. Hibbert, he was just sort of like that down there. And uh, his voice needed to be way deeper. And you, you got to throw in your, uh, your, your, your cheeks into that and like your, your jowls. Yeah. Really give it up down. You, you got to add some air into that. <laughs> the clown is down. Measure something, please. Um, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, and yeah, so I, I got those voices down after the first time I heard them, and uh, I think they're sounding pretty good. At least I'd like to think so. You know, I I get the occasional comment that they all sound like they all sound the same, or they sound like crap, and uh, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I I'm trying. I certainly think you Hibbert, you Snyder, and although he's not a black character, I think your Smithers is 100 percent on point. As is uh, Mr. Yeah, Burns. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, Smithers, stop making noises into the mic. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, the the Burns is on point. I think I think Harry Shearer made fun of you because he's a bit scared of of uh, losing his position to you. I, I don't want to <laughs> speculate, um, but uh, his voices are really the easiest ones for me to do. Um, Would it be old Mister Burns here? Old Doctor Hibbert, the Dora, the Seymour, the Steam Pams, uh, or of course uh, Mister Smithers here. Uh, but yeah, his voice are really easy for me. Um, take I think take the most that, Harry Shearer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there any of your sort of that you don't think you could conquer? 
that I don't think I can conquer. Um, there's yeah. a lot out there that I can't do, and I don't want to embarrass myself from uh, by mm. doing that. Oh, please do. Come on. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if you insist. I uh, mean, I, l- listeners to this podcast have heard me try to do Barney, which sounded like Bane, except that oh. I tried to do Bane and I sounded like Yoda. Up <laughs> and at them. Um, yeah, uh, let me hear your Barney, and I'll see if I can uh, do mine. Ah, no, no, it's no good. I'm sorry, I'll just embarrass myself. <laughs> he's, he's scared I can, now. I can, do do two th- I can do two things. I can do, uh, I do a not bad, uh, Glyven. Kind of Glyven, Glyven, I'm doing the voices and the microphone. <laughs> Thank you, Jaden. You've just uh, yeah, made me look like a rank amateur. Um, <laughs> but I do know that we've got the episode coming up where Jay Moore does Christopher Walken. And I've been doing a walking since the 90s, like everyone. So um, I think I'm okay with that. It was like, good night, room. Good night, moon. <laughs> do you have any favorite impressions, Jaden, that celebrities can do of other celebrities? Uh, did you say of celebrities that do other yeah, celebrities? Yeah, so, so sometimes you get like, on talk shows that, you know, I can do this guy or I can do that guy. They're just, you know, Jim Carrey can do a good Al Pacino and whatnot. Um, I don't know about uh, impersonating celebrities, impersonating celebrities, if that's what you're asking. But um, I think I'd do a oh, pretty good Patrick Stewart for you here, why, Professor X. Uh, and, uh, of course, there's a Morgan Freeman here. Why, today we're going to talk about the Lonely Penguin. Um, <laughs> why, uh, there's a lot of celebrities I honestly can't remember, but those are two for you there, so I'll give you that. I feel like you can do Phil Hartman's characters very well. Hi, I'm Troy McClure, and the Lionel Hutz, attorney of law. I like, say there's nothing on earth like a genuine bona fide electrified six-card monorail. What I say, ooh, monorail. monorail. Yeah, I'm all right. But, um, uh, oh, yeah, Robin Williams. Oh, um, that's probably going to be offensive to somebody, but uh, <laughs> that's another one there. But, yeah, um, the McClure characters are actually, sorry, the, the Hardman characters are actually some of the easier ones for me to do as well. Um, I don't know how I found out I could do those voices, but hi, I'm Troy McClure. It's just so fun to say. <laughs> it's one of those things where I feel like if you said that at any party, you would instantly be the most popular person in the room. I mean, if they're into Simpsons, maybe, you know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's really my demographic these days. But hi, can I buy you a drink? You may remember me from that corner over there and behind those bushes. <laughs> Jaden is never leaving a party alone again. I, I know they, I know they would never bring the characters back as a tribute to Phil, but man, you oh, could seriously revive Lionel and and uh, and Troy McClure. It would be incredible to have those guys back in the show. Because I feel like once those characters, once Phil unfortunately passed and his characters were taken from the show, the Simpsons lost something. Yeah, and that seems to happen every couple of years. Um, sometimes they'll bring them back, like uh, Lunch Lady Doris, who isn't really a crucial character, and they've got uh, 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 Gray Griffin doing uh, Martin Prince and Uter now mm. and Sherry and Terry. But, you know, sometimes they just leave the character off, and now we don't have uh, uh, Mrs. Krabappel and all sorts of other characters that were part of the show now, and it, it, it's really unfortunate. Which characters do you think the Simpsons themselves are most interested in having you on board to do, if you were so lucky? Well, I'd say maybe Dr. Ebert, if I could. Um, That's always been a really fun voice to do, and I just love his laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I honestly don't know, um, because they likely aren't going to be recasting uh, the main actors. But uh, I, I will tell you this. Recently, um, I had a dream that they called me in 
to do Marge's voice because they were doing a parody of The Little Mermaid for an episode. And they had me singing as Ursula. So I, I tried on my Marge here. And I had her cool. sing a little song here. And, uh, you know, if I could do Marge, that'd be fun. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try for that because she should be voiced by a woman. <sighs> but yeah, Marge I is feel, I, I feel like you sounded more like Marge than what Julie does these days. Because, I mean, Marge's voice, <laughs> it, it just sounds like one of those voices that's really hard on the vocal cords. And her vocal cords are you listen to you, young down. man? Yeah. It's uh, it's not an easy voice to do for sure, and of course, after thirty-one years, it's not going to be very easy. No, 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 not at all. So, what does the future hold for you? Do you think, in regards to the Simpsons, are you, are you quietly optimistic, or I am, um, and I don't want to speculate, and I, I really hate to place things as though it's inevitable because, honestly, I have no idea how many other yeah. actors applied for it. Um, I have no idea uh, when it's actually going to start they've got a new season around the corner. So I don't know if I were to get it, uh, would I be dubbing over the episodes that they finished? Would I be dubbing over new episodes with the actors still be doing the characters for the first half and then switch it off for the second half? You know, it's just a, uh, it's a long process. And they've told me that it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a long process, but um, I'm optimistic and uh, I heard good things. That's all I'll say. And, you know, again, I don't want to speculate, but yeah, of uh, course not. You don't want to. You don't want to ruin, ruin your luck yeah. anyway. Jinx yourself. But the it. thing of it is, Jaden. I mean, given the sort of state of play in the world right now, given the state of the entertainment industry, I think there's probably going to be a lot more demand for voice actors and probably a lot more animation stuff going into production than live action. And I mean, yeah, given the facility and the aptitude that you've shown for Simpsons voices, I imagine that could extend to just about anything. That's so, right. Um, I think we're all probably end up working for you, dude. Is that's that's essentially <laughs> what I'm saying. So, I mean, I have no ideas for my own cartoon, but uh, I, I, my, I think my in my Twitter bio, um, it says I'd like to be every cartoon character ever, and ultimately, I, I would like to work on as many cartoons as I can before I pass on. Uh, hopefully, when I'm very old. It's about to say you. 21, dude. You've got a little while ahead of you. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I've only done one cartoon so far, and I've auditioned for two major ones, uh, one being The Simpsons. What's the other one? Are we allowed to discuss? Or? Uh, we'll wait until that plays out and see what Okay, then. Okay, then. Uh, yeah. keep, keep, keep your ears pricked, everybody. Big big news happening for, for Jaden LeBron. Uh, also, I mean, you've it's been mentioned that you've obviously you're a puppeteer as well. Is that something you still like to pursue or do you want to sort of put that aside now and just focus Um, on voice acting? Well, because of this pandemic, there isn't going to be a whole lot of major puppetry work going on because the job itself requires you to be very, very close to other people. Uh, And um, that's not really something you can do uh, in a mask uh, and in a group at this point. Uh, but I make my own content every now and then. Uh, I did a video where I, I played 40-something characters, I think. Uh, all of them had to be uh, joined together via green screen so that I could uh, produce a crowd shot. Um, but uh, in terms of working with other people, it, it doesn't seem likely at this point. Uh, I would like to, if I can here and there, maybe do a commercial or a, a show or something. But uh uh, I think voiceover for now is probably the most convenient and safest uh, occupation to undertake. Especially since you can work from home. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can make puppet stuff from home, but it's uh, different from, you know, major uh, puppet studios and 
working with other actors, you know. Being only 21, I mean, I'm 31, I was huge, like massive fan of the Muppets growing up. Were you a Muppet, Muppets fan or was that sort of pre-you? Yeah. Um, in fact, across from me is uh, three shelves filled with several hundred pieces of Muppet merchandise. So oh, fantastic. Yeah, okay. But what, what kind of, what, what inspired you in regards to the Muppets? Like what, what inspired you from the Muppets? I mean, Henson just as a whole is just an absolute genius. But one of the things from one of his pieces of work that I feel never really gets enough credit is a show that's actually coming to Disney Plus soon is Dinosaurs. Did you, were you ever a fan of the show Dinosaurs? Uh, yes. Um, uh, sometime in the middle of, uh, I think, maybe June or so, I binged the first two seasons and then quickly ordered uh, figures of the characters that are on mm. my uh, dresser right now. And I've got season two that I've yet to watch. Sorry, um, seasons three and four that I've got yet to watch. Uh, and that's a great show, um, which utilizes uh, uh, costume works and animatronics, sort of like the Ninja Turtles, uh, in a really innovative way for the time. Uh, there's never been a show like Dinosaurs uh, at that, up until that point. And, it's, great- and you actually worked on the Happy Time Murders with Brian Henson, yes? I did, yeah. That was my first and currently only movie. Uh, where uh, Hollywood isn't really making stuff right now, mm. uh, especially puppet stuff. Uh, but yeah. Um, 2017 or so yeah 2017 uh in fact coming up soon will be the two-year anniversary of the release of that movie uh but 2017 uh they brought me on board as a core puppeteer and i worked about a month and a half on it uh doing all sorts of background characters and uh, miscellaneous and assisting other uh characters and got to work alongside uh, elizabeth banks and uh, maya rudolph and melissa mccarthy and leslie david baker and uh other people that are more local here, uh, locally popular, but still really entertaining and fun people. And a host of puppeteers that I have been watching for years growing up uh, from the Henson Company that I got to work alongside for the very first time. It just seems like cool. it'd be such a great family to be a part of the Henson Company, as well as the Simpsons. Whenever we've spoken to somebody who's worked on the Simpsons, you can tell they really appreciate and love their jobs. And they're just one big family. And I think that really comes through. And it's really positive knowing, as a fan of the show, that they enjoy working on the show just as much as you enjoy watching it. Yeah, they've been around for, what, 32 years now. Uh, And that really shows, uh, it really speaks to just how much they love what they do and the characters that they've created and uh, very much so each other. All right. Well, we, we, we won't hold you any longer, Mr. LeBron. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure ch- talking to you. Now, do you want to plug any of your social media or anything you'd like the listeners to, to know about yourself before we let you go? Uh, you can just look me up on Instagram and follow me there. Um, my uh, my handle is really just my name. Just look up Jaden LeBron. I'm, I'm Interestingly enough, I'm the only person that has this name, so it's not very hard to find me. Uh, and um, I'm on YouTube with the same name if you want to follow up on some Simpsons stuff that I post here and there. Um, uh, and I guess that's sort of it. And I've got Twitter with the same name as well, just Jaden LeBron, and you'll see me with my smiling face. All righty. It certainly is a smiling face, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and all the best for the future of your work on The Simpsons, if it does happen. <laughs> All right, Mr. Davis, Mr. LeBron, he is one hell of a man, isn't he? He is indeed. Oh, look, I think we'll be hearing a lot more from Jane LeBron in various uh, uh, tones, accents, and sounds. Yeah, inc- yes. wonderful voice work from, uh, from that man. All righty, guys, thank you for listening to our review of A Tale of Two Springfields. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're going to be reviewing an episode that stars The Love of My Life. Do you know who that is, yeah. Mr. Davis? Nicola Dando? <laughs> 
the former love of my life. <laughs> I know that Drew Barrymore is indeed showing up. Yes, Insane Clown Poppy. Now, I think I've watched this episode once in my entire life, maybe twice. Well, I can't remember too much about it besides the fact that Drew Barrymore is crushed his kid. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck in and reviewing it. Um, let's just see if the episode won any awards. Insane Clown Poppy. It doesn't look like it, but it stars Drew Barrymore. That's all that matters to me. So next week, Insane Clown Poppy. Don't forget to rate and review us in the iTunes store if you do enjoy the show. Do appreciate everyone who has taken the time to do so already. If you want to support the show and get access to a bunch of exclusive content, just go to patreon.com slash discount. I'll chuck the link in the description of this podcast where you get access into the... Uh, the Four Figure Discount Facebook community, it is well worth your time. We get in there every day and we have banter with our lovable, lovely patrons in there. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Oh, behave. Shh. Next week on Four Finger Discount. But what was your favorite moment, Mr. Davis? Because you posted in the Patreon group that this may have had the best gag in the history of The Simpsons. And I'm very intrigued to hear what you think it was. Oh, well, I'd, I'd forgotten that it was in this episode. But um, the minute Homer said, Marge, may I play devil's advocate for a moment? <laughs> How good is it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, it's, it's just marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't believe it well, I, I completely forgot that joke even existed I was like that is amazing I, th- I think I oh, I can't remember well I mean no I, I can't remember the first time I saw it but uh, I do remember just loving it from then yeah, from uh, it just stuck in my brain for some reason I mean I probably thought saw it the first time I thought that's pretty funny. And then some, well, a friend of mine would have brought it up maybe six months later and it's like, oh, my God, actually, that may be one of the funniest jokes Simpsons ever did. <laughs> because you're just thing. not expecting it at all. Absolutely not. It just is an absolute uh, just out of left field winner of a gag. And just oh, Everything about it. The fact that Homer's got a pinball machine in his house that's called Devil's Advocate that's got, like, Satan on it with a briefcase as a lawyer. And then it's like, he just – plus he just wants to sort of – he steps away from this semi-serious conversation that he's having with Chris. He's like, Marge, maybe leave Devil's Advocate for a moment. goes to play pinball. I'm – I, I, every, I think everyone has one particular joke. You can't exactly uh, <laughs> rationalise or, or, or wholly explain why it works for you, but it just hits you right in your sweet spot. And for mine, yeah, <laughs> devil's advocate is it. I just love it. <laughs>